If so, you stand out in this world. Today, Pastor Daniel will remind you that it doesn't matter to God what ethnicity or gender you are, where you came from, or who your family is. The only thing that matters is your salvation. You can't be in His presence without laying down your sins at the cross and accepting grace. That comes with a new life and adoption into His family. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 33. As he continues his message, the presence of the Lord. Richard Dawkins, the man who wrote the New York Times bestseller, The God Delusion, he's one of the forefront of what I would call a rabid atheist. Right? If you read his book, and I don't know that I would recommend it unless you're interested in, in reading what people say, a Sunday school kid in third grade in Crossroads knows that a lot of the things that he's saying about Jesus just isn't true. It's like for a guy who's got so many degrees, you'd think he'd actually read the Bible and think about it a little bit. But the thing is, he, does, he doesn't want to believe in Jesus. That's the thing. He said, he's a scientist. He says, well, if Jesus was really real, I, for one, would be very disappointed. I'm like, well, that's religion. That is not biology. That's not science. Listen, if you want to be a skeptic, that's between you and yourself and God. But be an intellectually honest one by actually knowing what you're skeptical about. Because there's nothing worse than when someone just says, oh, I don't want to believe the Bible because it says that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face. And, and, and it says in John that no one's seen God at any time. And so those two are irreconcilable. The Bible's wrong. It's like, well, no, you got to actually read the rest of the chapter. Read the rest of the chapter. Because what, know what I found? Because I didn't grow up in the church, it wasn't like I, I was wired for Christianity. Every single discrepancy issue that I found, when you take them to the Lord, you lay them before him and you do some research, it's amazing. I have yet to find one mistake. And I've, believe me, I've tried. Like, I love the Lord. I'm still like, Lord, you got to prove it. Like, I know it's true, but if it's not true, I want to know because I only want to know the truth. And I'll be honest, I've gone deep into some stuff. And God has never fallen short. Not one dime. So many of them are like, well, you got to explain this. It makes no sense. No sense at all. And when God starts to speak, you're like, well, Lord, I'm sorry that I don't realize what I don't know. If you want to be skeptical, fine, but be honest about it. Really say, why am I skeptical? What is really keeping me from, from making an honest intellectual decision about the Bible, about God, about Jesus? But taking verse 11, and saying, oh, this is why I can't believe the Bible. No, no. You got no wiggle room there. No wiggle room. So, but notice this. The Lord is speaking directly to Moses. And when Moses leaves, notice who stays behind? Joshua. 
Joshua. I love reading in the Bible, watching Moses and Joshua. Because you guys know, Joshua is going to be the one who's going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land when Moses couldn't do it. And Joshua was Moses' apprentice. Joshua stayed in the tabernacle of meeting, the tent of meeting, while Moses was doing everything. He was waiting there. When Moses was up on Mount Sinai, Joshua was hanging out somewhere around there waiting for Moses, learning, being ministered to, being discipled and grown up. And I keep saying, I'll keep saying it every time I find it, each one of you need to have somebody you're pouring into. And a lot of people, people who you're bringing along life's journey, and you're saying, look, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You guys, this is what it means to be a godly man, a godly husband. This is what it means to be like a godly employee. If you're a business owner, and you've got some young entrepreneurs, like, look, let me teach you how to be a, a, a businessman on mission. You older gals, you need to grab the younger gals and say, look, this is what it means to be a woman of God. You younger gals, there's unsaved gals. You need to be like, look, man, you just need to just chill with me. And we're going to talk about what it means to, to see yourself as God sees you and to value yourself the way God values you. Everybody should be pouring into people. That's the way the church has always grown. Disciples making disciples who make disciples. And Moses poured, drilled so down deep into the life of Joshua that God used Joshua in even more profound ways than Moses. And it, this is a passion for me because I was blessed to have a, a few pastors along the way who just grabbed me and be like, you're coming with me. I remember I, I was a brand new Christian. I looked about the exact way I look now, except I was about 15 years younger, still wickedly handsome. I'm grateful. I'm, you guys are like, yeah, all right. But literally, this pastor, he didn't say to me, he didn't say, hey, you know, Daniel, I'm going to take you and you're going to be my disciple. I'm going to teach you how to follow. He didn't do any of that stuff. He's like, listen, you know, I was young. I was playing music for a living. He's like, look, you want a hot dog? You know, I'm a musician. I'm like, free lunch? Yeah. The pastor of a church, he's like, listen, he's like, I got to go to Costco. If you could go to Costco with me, we got to pick up some stuff for the church. I'll buy a hot dog. Sound like a good deal to me. Free lunch, right? I didn't realize, but we're, we're out there in Costco, and I'm like, so why are we picking up all this stuff? He's like, well, we need this for this, and this for this. I'm like, well, I mean, it's a church. I mean, we have service on Sunday. He's like, no, no, service on Sunday is one thing, but we do all these other things. And, he, and he's talking to me about ministry and about life. He's like, so where are you at with Jesus? I'm like, well, I just started walking with him. And it's not like this weird, like, you're my apprentice, you know? Because I would have run for the hills, and you would have too, right? But when a free hot dog's involved... You know, it's fun. I've used that trick before, man. Costco is a great place. Speaking of which, I was so bummed yesterday. Obed, I was like, ah, my, know what my favorite pizza is? Costco pizza. I'm like, like I'm Italian. Costco pizza, seriously? That's, sorry, I'm, I'm way off the track now. But like, you can disciple someone for a buck sixty at Costco. And they got couches you can sit on. Yeah, you ever just go get ice? Never mind. <laughs> if you're ever in Costco, look at the couch. You might see me there with an ice cream cone talking to somebody, you know? Great. But that's how discipleship happens. You just invite someone along for life with you. And it was super cool because after that pastor, I moved to the Bay Area. And then another pastor was just like, hey, you want to go get lunch? I'm like, yeah, like church. Everyone feeds me lunch. And we would just talk, and he would talk to me about the Lord. And then, you know, I, my family was far away, and the pastor and his wife were like, hey, why don't you come over for Christmas dinner? I'm like, can I bring something? I'm like, yeah, you can cook if you want. I'm like, sure. 
I learned what a godly family looked like by sitting at their kitchen table, watching the way they prayed, watching the way they did things. I'd never seen anything like this before. Just by simply somebody inviting me to be part of their life. That's what Moses did for Joshua. Moses was all deep in the things of God and Joshua, the son of Nun, was just hanging out, watching, catching what God was doing. And brother, sister, please surround yourself with people you can pour into. And find people who will pour into you. That's how disciples are made. They're not born, they're built. And we all, as the people of God, have a mandate to be pouring down into other people. Now, in verse 12, look at what it says. So then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have found grace in my sight. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us so that we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Now, notice the repetition of things like, I know you by name. I have found favor. I found grace in your sight. See, Moses is concerned because God tells him to go and God's saying, look, I'm not going with you. So Moses right away with that piece of information comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, you tell me to bring up the people, but who's going to go with us? And he says, Lord, have I found favor in your sight? You tell me you know me by name. And if I have found grace in your sight, favor, unmerited, if you know me by name, Lord, then I want you to consider this, we're your people. Your grace is upon us. See, we talked about this two weeks ago. Moses is praying God's own words to him. He's saying, Lord, this is what you've told us. you told us you know us. you told us we found favor. Show me your way. Show me what's going on. Show me what you're doing. And then God says in verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, this is the way you and I want to roll through life right there. We're saying, Lord, if I found grace in your sight in Jesus, I want to know your ways. I want to be your person. And we want God to say, look, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're in here today and you're burdened down with cares, concern, there's some people in here today, you're not even a Christian. As my good buddy, Pastor Mike Rosell from Potterfield said, if you're not a Christian, you have to be. You should be a Christian. Because when you're a Christian, your sins are forgiven and God's grace is there for you. And he'll be with you and he'll give you rest for your souls. You'll stop trying to prove who you are to everybody and you'll rest in the finished work of Jesus. And he says, man, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then in verse 15, look at Moses. If your presence does not go with us, then don't bring us from here. That's a great prayer right there. Lord, if your presence will not be with us, we will not move. Isn't that what Jesus told his disciples in the book of Acts? He said, listen, wait here in Jerusalem until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then you will be my disciples. 
He didn't just say go. He said, hang out. And when my spirit comes, then it's going to be game time. How often do we move without saying, God, if your spirit's not with us, I'm not going. This is a great prayer for your day, for your life. Lord, if your presence, if your spirit does not go with me, then don't lead me. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Lord, I only want to be where your presence is. I only want to be where you've called me. Nowhere else but there where you are. Some people call this the perfect will of God. And I want to encourage you. If, I don't underline in my Bible, but if you do, this won't be one of those verses. And if you don't underline, you can always underline in your neighbor's Bible. They like that when you do that to them. But if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Because look what he says, verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. You see what he's saying? He's like, Lord, if you don't go with us, then how's everyone going to know that we're yours? And how are we going to be different from anybody else? The thing that makes a person different from another person is not their gender, is not their hair color, is not their race. It's either they're in the presence of God or they're not. That's the one distinction. The one distinction, are you in Christ? And are you full of the Holy Spirit or are you not? To put it in simple terms, are you a saint or are you ain't? That's how it rolls. You either have the presence of God, the Spirit of God in your life because of faith in Jesus, or you do not. And that is the only distinction that has eternal consequences. Right there. And Moses is saying, Lord, we're distinct. We're your own people. We want people to know that. And I love, the Lord is so gracious. Because look at what he says, verse 17. I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Yeah. Now that's an answered prayer. The Lord's like, okay, yeah. And you wonder, you're like, did Moses change God's mind? No, this is always God's will. But Moses is interceding for the people. He's standing in the gap. He's serving the people of God by saying, listen, Lord, we want to be different. We want your presence. You promised. The Lord's like, yeah, okay, I did promise. You got it, buddy. I love that. But you notice, check this out. Moses is still not done. You got to love Moses, exceedingly abundant. Look what he says in verse 18. He's like, okay, great. And the chapter would be done. Then look what Moses says, verse 18. Please show me your glory. Yeah. God's like, well, yeah, you're my people. I'm going to go with you. And Moses is like, awesome. Show me more. I believe this is a word for some of us in here tonight. Some of you need to say, show me more, Lord. Yeah, God answered your prayer, but you should want more. Because the things of God are a deep well. They are inexhaustible. His love is beyond comprehension. And Moses is getting everything he wants. He's like, Lord, show me your glory. He wants more. He's not content. He's not done. He's like, okay, I got what I wanted. Lord, thank you very much. I'm going to go play golf. None of that. Show me your glory. How many of us need to pray that today? Yeah, me too. When was the last time you said in your house, Lord, show me your glory? At your job, show me your glory. In the grocery store, show me your glory. Show me all that you are for me in Christ, Lord. Look at how the Lord responds to this. Verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me. And live. You, see, you notice that, right? 
He just said, Moses saw him face to face. I said, no, you can't see my face. So we want, to, we want to be able to put those together and understand that that's the way language worked there. It's different from our language. But notice, verse 21, the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand by the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is some wild stuff that's going on here. But he says, show me your glory. And the Lord's like, look, I can't show you everything. Because no human being can receive the fullness of God and live. It's just not possible in our fallenness, with our rebellion and sinfulness. It's just not possible. But the Lord's saying, look, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. I'm going to show you myself. See, the beauty of when we say, God, I want to see you, is God says, okay, I want you to see me. But oftentimes, God realizes what we can and cannot handle. And then there's this phrase, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And of course, that phrase pops up in the book of Romans, chapter 9, speaking of God's prerogative in choice. I know a lot of people struggle with that. But the reality is God has given us free will, and God himself has free will because we're created in his image and likeness. The problem with people struggling with God's prerogative or God's own free will is because people say, well, if God has free will, then what does that do with my free will? It becomes a big philosophical discussion. But once again, in the Bible, God has free will, and he created us in his image, and he gave us free will. And there is a, a, a marriage, a dance of those two, and God doesn't have a problem saying, yeah, I'm sovereign and you're responsible. We have a problem because we want to put everything in this nice little neat box and say, this is how it works. But God has free will. He said, look, I'm going to bestow my grace on who I want to. I'm going to bestow my compassion on whom I want to. But do you know why he says that? Because he's saying, Moses, I'm giving you some. That's why that's all comes out. Because Moses is saying, Lord, I want to know you. God's saying, I want you to know me. And I'm going to be gracious on whom I'm going to be gracious. And I'm going to be compassionate on whom I'll be compassionate. And guess what, Moses? I can't show you everything you want to see, but I can show you some stuff. That's how this is rolling here. So look at what happens. Verse 21. Here's the place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. Don't miss that. Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Now, yes, they're on a mountain, and yes, there's an actual rock there, but you know that that's a deeper statement than just the rock that Moses is standing on. God is saying, I have a place for you by me, and you need to stand on the rock. And Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, said, he who builds his life on the rock, no matter what happens, the wind and the wave is going to come. But if you build your house on the rock, that house will stand. Yes, it may be weather beaten, but it will stand strong. But if you build your house on the sand, when the wind and the waves come, it's going to fall down. And you and I know that that rock is Christ himself. She's just saying, if you build your life on me, you will, no matter what happens, you will abide. And he says to Moses, listen, I want you to come here. I got a place for you by me. Stand on the rock. It doesn't say a rock, it says the rock. Brothers and sisters, we need to stand on the rock that is Jesus. And it was amazing, it says, so I'll pass by, my glory will pass by, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by, and then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, it's almost like God... I mean, I thought of all these great jokes for you about, like, God prefers this one side of his back, you know, 
I read an article about Barbara Streisand, the, the singer. For those of you who've been around uh, a little longer than some of the young people who might not know who Barbara Streisand is. But uh, Barbara Streisand would only allow herself to do television interviews from one side. She only liked one side of her profile. So I was going to make a whole big thing about God only liking one side of his back profile. But uh, Moses didn't, can't see all of God's glory, but God still wants to reveal enough of himself to Moses as Moses can handle. I'm going to close with this for us tonight. You will be as close to the Lord as you want to be. He wants you to know him. That's his desire for you. He has done everything in his power through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. He has done everything that you and I will have the most profound relationship with God that has ever been experienced. But he asks us, how much do you want? How much do you want? And that's why Jesus says things like, what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? What is a profit to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? I'm here to tell you this. You can have all of the Lord that you want. Because God desires to bless you. God desires to reveal himself to you. You have to simply show up and simply respond to Jesus. You have to say, God, I want you. I want to know you. What's holding you back from him? I ask you, person to person, not pastor to congregation, brother to brother, brother to sister, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from experiencing all that God wants to bestow on you from his own life? You'll get as much of the Lord as you want. Sure, he can't show you all of everything because he doesn't want to kill you in the process. I am sure in a room this size, people watching on the internet, watching later, all the people here, I'm sure there's a lot of us who've never said, Lord, I want more of you. I want to know you. I want to see your glory. Show me your ways. Show me your presence. Show me your glory. Hey, Lord, just a little drip would be great. You will experience all that God wants for you. Jesus is God wants to reveal himself to you, though not in his entirety. There's no way you could handle all that God is all at once. Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to ask God for more, more of him, more of his goodness, more of his grace. It's available and plentiful. There's so much you can learn about and ask of your Heavenly Father. He loves you deeply. He's drawing you close to him each day. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, 
to 51400-51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now, don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses why the Bible is written by both man and God. You'll learn that God inspired the writing of His Word using the personalities and styles of various people to share His truth. God inspired Moses in the rewriting of the Ten Commandments on stone and continued to influence pens through the centuries. His history is recorded and shared because of His inspiration. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.